0: The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler hard to believe, but this is the last and final sermon in our series, Shattered, How to Survive in a Broken World, and I don't know about you, but I've thoroughly enjoyed just studying the life of Jesus Christ and looking at how He responded to difficulties, how He responded to obstacles, how He responded to really hard times, and and the realities that we've been gleaning through this series is the way Jesus Christ responded to these situations is the way that Christ wants to respond through us when we face those situations. And so today we're going to talk specifically on how to respond to conflict, how to respond to tension. We're going to be in Luke chapter number 6, and we'll begin reading in verse number 27. But before we begin, how many of you, this is, I mean, we're, we're in church here today. Let's get a little honest here for just a moment. Has anybody, any, any of the married folks in here, have you ever had uh, a time of tension? Within your marriage, it, it just it, one, at least one time, you know. There's maybe that one one time, all right. And uh, some of you hold oh, them five, ten. Where's my foot? You know. Try, yes, there's been some tension uh, and, and experiencing some conflict, and and uh, I, I'm just going to be transparent uh, as a pastor. Uh, I have had seasons where there has been conflict, maybe some tension, even in my marriage, and some of those types of things. And sometimes they're real serious, and we're just trying to wrestle through them. And uh, other times they're not quite as serious but at the moment they're still a little bit disturbing. Every, every once in a while, I know it might be hard for you to believe, but every once in a while we'll be driving down the road and my wife will just give me this look. Any of you guys know that look from your wife? You know the one I'm talking about? You know, you, you know hey, something's not right, you know, and it's just kind of that look and I'm and then your wheels and your head just start spinning and you're trying to think, okay, what, what, what is it? What am I doing? What am I not doing? You know, you know going through a plethora of different things. And, and, and I, on a couple of occasions, my wife has given me that look and then she's looked down at the emergency brake. We're five miles down the road. I've been driving for quite some time at this point. And the emergency brake is still on. <laughs> I have a tendency to kind of zone out on different things and forget things I'm supposed to remember. And I'll be driving down the road and that emergency brake will be on. And my wife will say, didn't you realize the emergency brake is, you know, it's, you haven't released it, you know. I'm sitting here thinking, you can reach it just as well as I can, you know? I mean, it's, it's right there, you know? And, and uh, kind of be looking at it. And she, she'll say something along the lines I mean, what, of, you what, honey, what does that say about you? That you can drive like 10 miles down the road and not notice the emergency brake? And I'm thinking to myself, what does that say about me? What does that say about our emergency brake, you know? I mean, the emergency brake has one job, you know? <laughs> Obviously it's not, I don't know about you, it's more, it's more like a, an emergency make your car smell funny lever. That's kind of how I see it, you know. It's just like, you know, one of those types of things. Yet the reality is we've all had seasons, you know, where the littlest things all of a sudden create some tension and create some conflict. And then all of a sudden you have to work through those things. And we've all gone through conflict, Sometimes it's maybe in our marriage. Other times it might be conflict or tension within the context of our work. How many of you here have ever had a run-in with somebody you work with? You know, Maybe it was that, that, just that co-worker and it just seemed like they were out to make your life miserable. For others, maybe it was conflict with your extended family. You know, the in-laws or, you know, that crazy uncle that you have. And it's just the tension that begins to develop and the conflict that's there. And, And the reality is, if we were to be honest, we live in a world of constant tension. We live in a world of constant conflict. And what we're asking ourselves this morning is, how is it that the Spirit of Christ would want to respond through us when we've been mistreated when when there's conflict when there's tension in our relationships and, and that's a little bit of what we're going to unpack here today inside your service program you'll find an outline that you can use to follow along through the message hope it'll be a help to you as we study the word of god together this morning If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand here this morning as we read a lengthy portion of Scripture, beginning in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 6. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 27. We're going to read all the way down to verse number 36. I might pause every once in a while to give some context, but it is a lengthier portion of Scripture, so do your best really to kind of zone in and focus here on what God's Word has to say. The Bible says in the gospel of Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 27. But I say unto you which hear. Of course, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible. This is Jesus Christ who is speaking. But I, Jesus, say unto you which hear. Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him, who's him, that enemy, that one who's cursed you, that one that's used you, that one that's making your life miserable, and unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also." Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. You say, this, pastor, this is sounding crazy. I mean, is this really what Jesus had to say? And what we're going to find as we continue reading is Jesus is using these verses to define a concept for us. And that concept is going to be revealed as we move toward the end of our passage. Notice what it says in verse 31. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. That's where we get the golden rule from. Maybe when you were a kid, you heard that expression, the golden rule that comes from this passage, verse 32. This is really where we're going to focus in on. For if ye love them which love you... What thank have you? It really what it's saying is, what credit is that to you? If, you? if you love people who are just loving you. And he goes on to say, for sinners also even do the same. He says, unbelievers can love people who love them. Non-Christians can love people who, don't, who love them. Verse 33. And if you do good to them which do good to you... What thank have ye, for sinners also do even the same. And he he says here in this verse, you know, if you do good to someone who's already doing good to you, what credit is that to you? An unsaved, an unbeliever, a carnal sinner, pagans, will do that. Verse 34. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive... What thank have ye? What credit, if you're going to give something to somebody because you think you're going to get something back in return, what credit is that to you? What benefit is that to you? Sinners do that. The unsaved, people who don't know Christ as their Savior, people who are not the children of God, they do that. Verse 35. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend. Hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. Notice this. For he, speaking of God the Father. Is kind unto the unthankful. And to the evil. If you're used to writing in your Bible. I want you to pull out a pen. And underline that statement. He, the highest is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. This morning I want to speak on the mercy of God. How is it that we're supposed to respond in seasons of conflict? I believe what this passage is going to teach us is that Christ wants to respond through us with a spirit of mercy and kindness? Shall we pray? Dear gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, I can only imagine that in a room this size, there are individuals who are in this very moment going through seasons of conflict. Maybe they're in conflict with a spouse or an extended family member, maybe it's a parent or a son. A daughter. Maybe there's conflict and tension at work. Maybe just with acquaintances. People that maybe are trying to be ignored but they just can't because they just keep jumping into lives and it just is it just is overwhelming and frustrating and it creates a tension and a conflict that makes life uncomfortable Lord and I pray for individuals even right now who are going through that in this moment and those who go through it in seasons that you would allow your word to give them the grace that they need Lord to address and engage these seasons in a spirit-filled grace-filled manner. I pray that you'd bless your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Have you ever been hurt so badly that you feel the relationship will never be restored? I think at some point in our life, all of us have been there before. How do you reconcile a relationship when it seems to be unraveling at the seams? How do you show mercy to someone who has shown absolutely no mercy and no kindness to you? How does one do this? If you've asked those questions or ever felt those things, then I I believe this passage is really going to minister to your heart today. The theme for our message this morning is simply this, this. This theme which will frame everything else we say we're going to throw up on the screens. And that is simply this. When you're truly aware of God's mercy to you... Notice the word, truly aware. You'll be able to share God's mercy with others. Back in the 1950s and even then, technology being what it was... ...and especially in that region made it very, very difficult. But Elizabeth followed her husband anyways. When they made their way down to Ecuador... ...they began to hear about a tribe known as the Aka Indians... Aka in the Ecuadorian language literally means savage. These Aka Indians are these savage people. And Jim started to get a burden for their souls. He was burdened that they had never heard the message of Jesus Christ before. And so he and four of his friends begin to make plans to fly into this region where this savage tribe lived. And attempt to get the gospel to them. On their first trip, they were able to land near where the village was and a couple of the tribal people came out to where they were. Of course, they could not communicate at the time and they, in fact, took one of the Aka Indians, put him into the plane and for about a few minutes flew this Aka Indian above his village. I mean, you could just imagine how this guy's mind would have just been blown. They landed, gave him some food, some supplies, and they left thinking that Everything was going well. Because the first trip had gone so well, the five of the missionaries decided that they would go back again. Once again, trying to reach out to these savage people. The second time, however, it didn't go quite so well. As soon as they landed, many of those Aka Indians began to surround them. Though they had guns, the missionaries would not use them on the Indians... But rather literally allowed those Ak Indians to kill them, not being able to escape back to their plane, rather than kill them. It wasn't long before news got back to Elizabeth, and you can just imagine what she was going through. A young daughter, married three years, and her husband violently murdered. How would you have responded? How would you have engaged that situation? We'll get back to the story in a few moments, but what I want you to see here today is two really what I'm going to call comforting truths regarding God's incredible mercy. Let's dive into our text. I want you to see this for yourself in verse number 36. The Bible says, he, this one who is the highest, God the Father, he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father, also get this, is merciful. The first thing we see in this passage is that this this verse declares that the one who is the highest, our heavenly Father... He is merciful. Let me give you a definition of mercy. Mercy speaks of God's predisposition to kindness, forgiveness, and compassion towards them that have sinned against Him. Let me remind you that there is not a single day in any of our lives that sin does not rear its ugly head. But there is also not a day in which God's abundant mercies are not gloriously new on our behalf. This all leads us to our first thought this morning. If you want to jot it down in your notes. And that is simply this. I want to encourage you to experience God's mercies daily. Experience God's mercies daily. You say, What do you mean by this? Experience it. It's one thing to be aware of God's mercy, it's one thing to say, Well, I went to Sunday school when I was a kid, and I went to church one time, and I read a devotional, and I can give you all the intellectual information on what that mercy is, or the definition of mercy, or maybe what it looks like, or how it projects itself. I'm not asking if you know what it is on an intellectual level. I'm asking, Do you experience it daily? Do you bask in it? Do you relish in the realities of God, the Heavenly Father's mercy upon you? Do you experience it? I, I mean, that do you take time regularly to meditate on the reality that God is merciful to you, even when you don't deserve it? That regularly we would pause and rejoice in his kindness toward us even when we didn't earn it. That we would regularly be grateful for his goodness to us even in those times when we absolutely failed him. I'm asking you, do you experience it? Do you bask in it? Do you relish in just the incredible nature of the mercy of your heavenly Father? Notice what exactly what uh, Lamentations chapter number 3 verse 23 says. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. I mean, basically what the Bible is saying is because of our sin, because of our wickedness, we deserve wrath. We deserve punishment. But it's because of His mercies that we're not consumed. Because His compassions fail not, they, His mercies, are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Notice the emphasis on the plurals in this verse here. Notice where it says here, mercies, plural. Compassions, plural. They, plural. We see here that the Holy Spirit of God is trying to emphasize that the mercy that God the Heavenly Father has for us, it's not like a one-time thing. You get, you get so much mercy and then I'm all out. No, the Bible declares for us that His mercies are new every single morning. His faithfulness is so great. You say, but you don't know what, I, what I've done. Maybe you're sitting here and maybe I don't know you very well and you don't know me very well and you're sitting here thinking to yourself, if you knew what I have done in my past if you knew what horrible things if you knew the guilt that I lived with if you knew the shame that was upon me you wouldn't say the things that you're saying and yet I want to declare to you today when we fall and when we mess up and when we make a mistake, when we fall down when we miss the mark, when we sin and even when we rebel against the very will of God, Christ continues to offer us his wonderful mercy even in spite of all that and nothing we do will keep us keep him from extending that mercy towards us my friend it is an insult to God almighty to think that your mistakes are bigger than his mercy because his mercy is just that great his mercy is just that powerful here's what's crazy about mercy that even when we are not faithful to him he is faithful to us that is the mercy of God mercy says I'm not just going to spare you of the consequences mercy literally says that in place of the consequences I'm going to give you blessing and I'm going to pour upon you goodness that is what mercy declares that is what God the heavenly father offers us because of what Jesus Christ his son did on our behalf The story is told of a mother who approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for her son. The emperor replied to her that the young man had committed a a certain crime, a certain offense. In fact, he didn't just commit it once, he committed it twice. And justice would demand death. The lady, literally with tears welling up in her eyes, said, But I don't ask for justice. I plead for mercy. Your son doesn't deserve mercy, Napoleon said. Sir, the woman cried out. It would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is what I ask for. All right then, the emperor said. I'll have mercy. Not because he deserves it. But because I am merciful. And he spared the woman's son. Can I say this to you today? That God does not grant mercy to his people. Because he set aside the wrath that our sin deserves. They might even have this on the screens. But instead, literally, instead, God grants mercy to his people because he poured out the wrath that our sin deserves on Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. Mercy isn't like God winking at our sin, pretending like it doesn't exist. No, the reason we get mercy, the reason we have mercy is because God, a holy, righteous perfect sovereign one poured out all the penalty poured out all the punishment poured out all the wrath upon his son Jesus Christ so that he could in turn pour out the mercy that his son deserves upon you and that is what makes mercy so wonderful I want to remind you today that mercy does not excuse sin Mercy does not justify sin. Mercy does not wink at sin and say, yeah, it's okay. You see, mercy recognizes sin for what it is. It recognizes that sin is rebellion against a holy, righteous, perfect God. But mercy recognizes that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, the penalty and the punishment and the wrath has already been absorbed on the person of Jesus Christ. And we literally get to switch places with Him. Christ takes our wrath. Christ takes our punishment. Christ takes our penalty so we can stand in His place and receive grace from the Heavenly Father. Wow. Our Heavenly Father is merciful. Our Heavenly Father is merciful toward you. You see, mercy is God saying, not only will I not pour out punishment upon you. I'll actually pour out blessing when you don't deserve it. And pour out goodness. And pour out kindness. Our Heavenly Father is merciful. And I want to encourage you to experience His mercies because they are fresh and they are new every single morning now notice this in verse number 32 we talked about it if you love them which love you what credit is that to you what thank have ye for sinners also do love those that love them verse 33 if you do good to them which do good to you what thank have ye for sinners also do even the same notice what it says at the end of verse 35 and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and unto the evil. Be therefore merciful as your father also is. What's the word? Merciful. Now here's what I need you to get. The entire passage that we just read was trying to give us a context. It was trying to give us a deeper understanding of what true, scriptural, biblical mercy really is. It was giving us examples. It was giving us illustrations so that at the end it could come along and say, here is what mercy looks like. Here is what it'll look like when there's mercy being displayed. And he says, be ye therefore merciful like your Father also is merciful. Can I say this? That mercy is not just being religiously passive. There tends to be an idea in our circles that mercy, when somebody does me wrong, basically I seek revenge. That's how, that's how most people respond. You, you take a swing at me, I'm taking a swing at you. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that philosophy runs pretty rampant in our culture. But a lot of us as Christians, we think, well, you know, after all, I can't take revenge. That isn't Christian. And so what we do is we become kind of passive-aggressive. There's this kind of passive-religious passivity that we get. And we still stew with anger, and we still get upset, and we still get frustrated. But after all, we got self-discipline because Christ's spirit resides within us, so we just don't do anything about it. And somehow we think like we're, we're really awesome. And that's how we view mercy. Like religious passivity. Man inside we just, but I am being merciful. That my friend is not mercy. Not biblically. It's something. It's better than revenge. But not much. And yet a lot of Christians can pride themselves on their self-discipline. If they just knew what I wanted to do and I'm not, they would, oh my, would they be impressed? (laughs) It's not mercy. You see, the passage here is trying to give us a biblical context, a scriptural understanding for what mercy truly is. Mercy is saying instead of taking my right to hurt you, I won't. And I will replace the punishment that I want to give you with blessing and goodness and kindness. That is the mercy that Jesus speaks of. That is the mercy that he gave to you. When you in your sin. Rebelling against God. Oh Christ. In his love for you. Took the penalty. He literally absorbed it himself. He just took it. And then rather than retaliating. Gave you blessing. And grace. And goodness. You see. When we placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we received his spirit into our lives. In fact, the Bible says when you're saved, you are now in Christ and Christ is in you. There's a spiritual transaction that begins to take place. Christ's Spirit takes residence in your soul. His Spirit taking residence here in your life, desiring to live out His life, His will through our physical capacities. What does that look like within the context of mercy? Well, Jesus is the ultimate mercy giver, which means when I am in Christ and Christ is in me, when Christ truly is responding through me in seasons of conflict, when the Spirit of God and His grace is really working through me in those times of tension, you know what it's going to look like? It's going to look a lot like Jesus. A Jesus who absorbed the penalty. A Jesus who took the consequences that that thing deserved, that that person deserved, took them, bore them upon himself and rather than giving punishment, rather than taking revenge, poured goodness, kindness, and blessing upon them. That, my friend, is the mercy that scripture speaks of. You see, because of what Jesus Christ did for me, we no longer have to live like a captive to bitterness and to resentment because Christ lives in me and I in Christ and he wants to live his life through me. He wants me to yield and surrender and allow him to live his life through me. I no longer have to live like a captive to bitterness. I no longer have to live like a captive to resentment. I no longer have to act like I'm a prisoner to anger and frustration. I no longer have to be controlled by the circumstances of my past because I am in Christ and because Christ is in me. I am free in Christ I am free to love the unlovable I am free to forgive the unforgivable I am free to show mercy towards those who have sinned against me and I am free, free liberated, unshackled to pour out grace and blessing and goodness upon those who have hurt me and persecuted me and reviled me that is the mercy that God gives through you You are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You are not who you were before Christ. You are not one who seeks revenge. You are not one who seeks retaliation. You're not one anymore who just wants to give it to him and get even. You are now with Christ's spirit residing in you. You are free. You're free to allow Christ to live his life through you to rejoice in the mercy that he's given you because I'm in Christ and because Christ is in me I am overwhelmed with the mercy that he has bestowed upon me I don't have time to think about what somebody's done to me I'm too overwhelmed of focusing on the mercy that he has extended to me on my behalf when I have least deserved it. We're free. Notice verse 36. Be ye therefore merciful. I think they're going to put this on the screens. The, The same way your heavenly father was kind and compassionate towards you when you didn't deserve it is the same way Christ wants to be kind and compassionate through you when others don't deserve it. You get it? The same way your Heavenly Father was kind and compassionate towards you when you didn't deserve it is the same way Christ wants to be kind and compassionate through you when others don't deserve it. And I call you. All right. I challenge you to yield to that spirit. To surrender to that spirit. The spirit of Christ that now lives within you. You see, that spirit is beckoning you to flesh out and to express mercy in the context of your world. To express mercy toward that person who's making your life miserable toward that individual that is just racking havoc on your world notice this on the screens one of the indications as to whether or not i'm truly yielding to god's spirit how do i know if i'm being led of his spirit how do i know if i'm full of his grace and empowered by his strength one of the indications as to whether or not i'm truly yielding god's spirit is revealed by whether or not i'm able to respond with Christ like mercy and kindness toward them who have sinned and been evil towards me not just toward those who are kind to me you say I'm merciful and I'm kind to those who are kind toward me I'm merciful toward those who are merciful toward me no, sinners can do that the unsaved can do that you don't need the spirit of Christ you don't need the power of God you don't need heavenly energy to accomplish that but you do to show mercy And blessing upon those who have mistreated you. And this is an indication. You say, I don't know if I'm truly walking in the spirit. You say, I'm saved, I have the spirit, but I don't know if I I don't know if I yield. How do I know? You'll know by your response to conflict and tension if you're walking in the spirit that day. Because this is how the spirit responds, this is how Jesus responds. And this is how Christ responds through us when we daily are basking in his presence. When we're focused on him, not our situations, not our problems, not our tensions, not our conflict. When we are looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, when we are basking in the glory of his mercy toward us and his grace toward us and his goodness toward us, we don't have time for revenge. We don't have time for retaliation because we're too obsessed with what Jesus has done for us this leads us to our final thought this morning and that is simply this experiencing God's mercy daily like we talked about a moment ago empowers us to extend God's mercy deeply do you get this? experiencing God's mercy daily like we talked about basking in his mercy focusing on his goodness and his blessing even when we didn't deserve it even when we didn't earn it that empowers us now to extend God's mercy deeply what the Bible is teaching us is that Christ's mercy is transforming us into people who are kind his mercy is transforming us into people who are compassionate even towards them who have sinned and been evil toward us that's what I'm saying. Now, let me take a caveat for just a second to try to kind of. Uh, this is important. Mercy, and I'll say it this way we should never extract mercy out of the context of wisdom, biblical wisdom. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, mercy doesn't necessarily mean that you give in to every demand of the sinner. This is important. I am not saying that if you were truly merciful, you would do everything that that person who has hurt you or attacked you, that you're just going to, you're like a doormat and you just let them do whatever you want. Th- that is not what we're saying. So don't take this to an extreme that the Bible does not take it, nor am I trying to take it. Mercy doesn't mean I just kind of do nothing and, well, they're hurt. No. Mercy, within the context of scriptural wisdom, understands. You don't have to give in to every vile, you know, impulse of some carnal person who's just trying to make the world awful. That's not mercy. You're not being merciful toward them. You're not it's not how Christ responded. Mercy doesn't mean you're a doormat and you just let somebody do it. No. Mercy within the context of biblical wisdom says, one, I'm not going to enable someone else's continued Anger, you're not enabling it, but in your spirit, you're absorbing it. Do you see the difference? Rather than seeking revenge, you're in wisdom, you're seeking safety. Safety for that person, safety for yourself, but your spirit, your heart, your soul is constantly expressing a desire to absorb where it's happened and pour grace and love and healthy contribution into their lives. You ever had somebody <laughs> didn't respond too well to mercy? If mercy really is getting something, you know, uh, replacing what we deserve with something better, it's a, it's, a, it's a mark of mercy. Every once in a while, my wife and I will just, out of the blue for no specific reasons, we'll, we'll try to do something loving and kind for our kids, as many of you will do as well. And I remember on one occasion, uh, we'd gotten one of these uh, plastic bats for our boys. He was, my son was about four years old at the time, you know what I'm talking about? One of these plastic bats, and the kids love those things, and just for no particular reason, just wanted to bless them with one. You know, as parents will sometimes do with kids, and just kind of gave it to them. I remember we were out there, we're messing around, and I don't know what we were doing. I was wearing some shorts and kind of bottom of my my legs exposed, and just out of the blue, my son comes up to me with that bat, and right on the bare skin of my legs, takes that back and blah Just you know, gets my leg with it. I'm like, what in the world, you know? It leaves like this mark. I'm trying to bless this kid, turns around, beats me with the blessing. So what'd you do? I took the bat and I hit. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do that. You see, everybody wants to experience that kindness and mercy, but few allow Christ to extend that same mercy that they've received through them towards others. I love this verse here, First Timothy chapter number one, verse sixteen. The fascinating verse. The Apostle Paul is speaking and he says, for this cause I obtained mercy. So the Apostle Paul, he's going to tell us why God the Heavenly Father gave him mercy. How many of you want to know the answer? Man, why did God give mercy to the Apostle Paul? For this cause I obtained mercy, the Apostle Paul says, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all suffering. You say, wait a second, what what did Paul say? Paul says, this is the reason I got mercy. This is the reason God gave me mercy. That in me, through Jesus Christ, might show forth long suffering.' The reason Paul received mercy. That is, God gave mercy to him so he could give mercy through him. Do you see what's going on here? It's the same for us. God gives mercy to me so he could give mercy through me. Experiencing God's mercies daily empowers us to extend God's mercies deeply. You say, what does that look like functionally? What does that look like practically? When, I, when I'm at home with my children... How is, how is Christ what, is this, what, are, what are indications what are practical expressions of Christ's mercy working through my life what is that going to look like at, at home and what's that going to look like at work and what's that going to look like in the neighborhood let me give you a few marks of what maybe it looks like when Jesus is expressing mercy through you and when you're yielding to that spirit here's what it's going to look like there's going to be regular forgiveness toward those who have done you wrong there is regular forgiveness towards those who have done you wrong. When there's a spirit of mercy being expressed through you, when you're yielding to the spirit, allowing him to lead you in how you engage conflict and tension, there's going to be a spirit of forgiveness toward those who have done you wrong. Two, there's a constant long suffering towards those who continue to wrong you. Now, I'm not saying put yourself in a position to continue get, to get beat up, okay? We're not victims, If wisdom could tell you, keep yourself safe, create some margin, then follow the voice of wisdom. However, when you are following the voice of wisdom and you continue to get attacked and you continue to get maligned and maybe it's a situation at work and you just feel like, I can't even avoid it. Then I would say in that moment, be long-suffering to those who continue to wrong you if there's nothing you can do to avoid that situation. What does it really look like when Jesus is being merciful through me? There's a heart to engage these issues with a humble and gracious spirit. And when I have to go to a coworker, when I need to go to another church member, when I need to go to a family member, there's a real spirit of humility. We don't engage it with, well, let me just tell you something well I just got something I got to get off my chest and so since we're here together no that's not the spirit there's a humble spirit it's a gracious spirit a spirit that would say I, I don't know if you're noticing this I, and I, I don't know if you know how it's, how it's affecting me but I just feel like God wants me to approach you on this and, and there's a humility there's a graciousness as we even engage the situations in a a civil way what does it practically look like when his mercy is working through me there are kind gestures towards your enemies you see mercy is not just religious passivity it's not just saying well he's lucky I'm not giving it back to him it's replacing the punishment that we want to give them with kindness and goodness and blessing. That is biblical mercy. It is the mercy that Christ showed to me and the mercy Christ showed to you. And so when it's Christ working through me, there's actually an ability to be kind. To demonstrate kind gestures even towards them who are hurting you. So, my Proverbs will say in its wisdom, gift and secret pacify the anger. Next, there's a refusal to gossip about those who have done you wrong. There's a refusal to gossip about those who have done you wrong. I'm not talking about not engaging it. You engage it where it's proper to communicate it. But you don't need to be running around Facebook as the victim. Facebook doesn't need to know about everything that's happening. (laughs) you've got to take it to a pastor take it to a pastor if you need to talk to a spouse talk to a spouse if you need to engage that person engage that person if if you need to get group support get group support but just to air it all out gossiping and slandering and maligning it's not of god it's not it's just not how the spirit of god manifests mercy there's a humble attitude that recognizes without the grace of God working overtime in my life. I'd probably be acting worse than this person has acted toward me. See, you, you see what it is, is. Is when the spirit of Christ is working in me. There's a humility. A humility that says but for the grace of God. Who knows where I would be. And there's a humble, a Humility. When we engage. There's a humility about the way we talk to others about the situation. We don't have a chip on our shoulder. Because when the spirit of Christ truly has control. There's a graciousness. Even toward those who have done us wrong. Think of the spirit of Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross. Was there an angry, bitter, just revengeful spirit? No. No. His spirit was a spirit of love, of grace, and forgiveness. So, whether the conflict and tension is in marriage or with coworkers or with family or in the church, the spirit filled person has the ability, by God's grace, to take big things and make them small. And a carnal Christian often takes small things and blows them up out of proportion. And when the Spirit of Christ is working in me and I'm surrendered to that Spirit, there are expressions and manifestations of that mercy. I want you to think of how different our world would be if a billion people who call themselves Christians would simply yield to the spirit of Christ and allow the mercy of God to be extended through them. I mean, think of how radically different our world would be if just the people who called themselves Christians surrendered to that spirit of mercy that Christ wants to show through them. Can you even imagine how different the world would be? Imagine if they would take the mercy God gave them and simply allow His Spirit to pay it forward. Now, as we wrap this up, lest any of us think we can do this on our own without the power of God, I want to say to you that no matter how hard you try, you can't do this. You say pastor as I'm hearing about what Christ has done for me and I'm so I'm so I'm thrilled that Jesus did this for me and I'm I'm incredibly grateful that God did this for me but I, I This is what it looks like. I could never do that. And this is the point. I know. I can't do it, and you can't do it. That's the point of this whole thing. We can't. And that's why we desperately need to regularly and daily run back to the throne of grace. We're back to the feet of God in prayer and supplication and say, God, I can't do it again today, and I can't do it tomorrow, and I can't do it the next day. God, I need you to surrender daily, to yield daily, to say, God, I. I can't, but once again, one time again today, I'll yield if you'll do it through me. If you'll do what I can't, I surrender. Because we can't, and you can't, and I can't. And neither could Mrs. Elliot. When she got the news that her husband had been murdered... Her husband who had such a love for God, just wanted to extend goodness and kindness to these people, to help them, and they repaid with killing. You could almost imagine what that did to her heart. How that wrecked her spirit. Yet the amazing thing about Elizabeth Elliot: she knew God. Not just in an intellectual way. Not just in a, I can quote to you some Sunday school lesson I heard. But in a way of deep relational intimacy. Where the spirit of God was not just something she knew about. It was something she experienced. It was something that literally lived through her. And so after the funeral. She went back to Ecuador. Serving as a missionary for 10 months until... All of a sudden, one day, she met some people who actually knew the people who murdered her husband. She went to the ladies and she said, you've got to take me to those people. You've got to take me to those people who killed my husband and our friends. So 10 months after her husband was murdered, she went back to the very village, the Ockons, the savages, as they called themselves, and walked into the very village where 10 months earlier, her husband had been murdered. And not just for a week or a month, but for a year, she began to love on those people. She literally became friends with the man Who impaled her husband to death with his spear. And she allowed the mercy of God. To literally be not just an intellectual concept. But a reality. That was demonstrated in her very existence. As she worked with those Aachen Indians. And she loved on them. And she blessed them. And was kind toward them. It wasn't long before they began to come to Christ. This wasn't one of these white Americans who just wanted to convert them to some cultural ideal. This was different. This was an individual who was coming to them in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Who was able to live something that no normal human being could live. One day, Elizabeth was going through some old books and she found a journal of Jim's. And in his own handwriting, he had a statement that has resonated with the church for now six decades. And the statement read something like this He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And Elizabeth Elliott understood that as the spirit and mercy of Christ lived through her, she could change things. I want to say this to you today as we close. As a believer, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, even get this. Even when you fail to extend mercy. God's incredible mercy is still available to you. Even for that. Let that blow your mind for a moment. That even when you fail in your humanity to extend mercy. Christ keeps giving you His mercy. In fact, He bestows mercy upon you when you rebel against allowing His mercy to flow through you. That is how faithful your God is. Even when you fail to show mercy, He continues to show mercy. And his hand of kindness continues to rest upon you. Even when you show no mercy. Even when you don't deserve it. You say, what's the takeaway? If you get nothing else, if the sermon didn't make sense to you, I want you to write down these couple of words. If you get nothing else, this will help you. Meditate on God's mercy meditate on God's mercy you say I, I didn't write down the seven steps of what it looks like when his mercy is showing through me ok don't worry about that you meditate on his mercy long enough and his spirit will lead you into those things Amen. or maybe you have just thought well I, I'm doing pretty good now I don't need God's mercy anymore Or maybe you've just begun to get to the place where you've just forgotten. You've not thought about it and I want to encourage you afresh and anew to remind yourself that when you fail at giving mercy and you fail at bestowing grace and you fail at bestowing forgiveness God's mercy was there for you in that moment and instead of giving you the consequences that your lack of mercy deserves and the lack of grace deserves He poured upon you goodness and kindness and blessing and you might be walking in sinless moment and yet His mercy continues to abide upon you oh that we would stand in awe and wonder at his mercy his grace and meditate on his mercy for when we truly are aware of God's mercy toward us we'll begin to share God's mercy with others the main reason we don't share mercy the way the Bible describes is we're not truly aware of the mercy we've been given for when we truly understand and when we truly enter into that presence of mercy and understand and grasp what that mercy really meant our hearts can't help but respond in mercy toward others Oh, we have a great God. We can't do this. God can. That we would take time to come into his presence and meditate on his mercy. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father.